Hello and welcome to Havenside Hangout, a Vampire the Masquerade chat set in our own home in a pretty relaxed fashion. Um, so this came about uh, really because when we changed the format for our break, that we would have a break and you would have a break when you're watching. One of the things that that meant we missed out on was the chance to hang out with you at home and talk to you about things. And also just for us to talk about the game in a, in a more relaxed way. So this session hopefully is gonna cover some of those things. Um, now I know that some of you wonderful, wonderful people have sent us questions already and I will be throwing those in a moderately nice way, but not always nice way at uh, our players as we go through this, this session. But if you're watching us live and you think of more questions or you didn't get a chance to ask in the week, then do put them into the chat and uh, Mitch will gather them up tenderly and bring them to me to uh, ask on the stream. So I should say, of course, um, I have some people with me tonight. They are? And who are you, anyway? I'm Felf. I, I, um, demo, I generally play Silas Shaw on this channel, and I'm looking forward to those questions and love these good people so much. I'm Bex, and this is my real voice. Normally, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, normally, normally I sound like a gay, blonde-haired American, but really, I'm a 43-year-old mom. <laughs> the power of exactly, role playing. Yeah. Or I'm muted. Or muted. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> First three. I am. I am Carlos, and I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I suppose, you know, something that also occurs to me, you know, when we, when we reflect on the format, is that I never introduce myself. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, that's true. Just like, you don't need to know who I am. Just sit just, down and listen to the Just the one game. delivering you entertainment. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so I am Peter, and normally I am the storyteller, whereas today I am the bringer of horror uh, in the form of the questions. <laughs> so what's the difference? Um, yeah, well, hopefully very little if I think my storytelling job right. So let's say there are um, a number of questions that I'm going to be giving to you. But before we got to the questions, there was something I just wanted to have a general chat about purely because it's interesting to me. Um, I obviously have a naive hope it might be interesting to someone who's listening along as well. We'll find out. And that is that obviously all of you role play on the stream but you also role play off the stream as well as do i at times a variety of games and i thought it might be interesting just to talk about what what for you the difference is like between the two and, and also specifically if there are things that you kind of like about playing on the stream versus at home and also what you like about playing at home versus on the stream kind of where you are with that as a sort of general throw it out to you see what you think of it I think I think what I like about the stream, it's two two big things I like about the stream. First, knowing that our community is there watching, because I mean over the over the the years, the community has grown and it has evolved. People have come and left, others have stuck around. And the fact that they are there, and then after the session, we get the interactions with them over Twitter or any other form of social media or just having a chat because some of them have become our friends. I think it's really cool. Like knowing that you're playing, but that you're providing entertainment for other people. And also 
I think the second thing I like is the structure. It, like, it, it feels different because when you're uh, playing with friends, you take your time, you ponder, you do this, you do that. You, you, you get to, you know, fool around sometimes with your characters. But on the stream, I think we are more structured. We get into our characters a little bit deeper because we, we want to make out the most out of the time we have. It's just three hours a session, 10 sessions a, a, a season, three seasons per Chronicle. So it is, it is, it, we, we want to squeeze things into it. And, and sometimes I, I feel it's better if we, if we put our, our minds behind our, like who our characters are for them. So I think it's a little bit more involved. Oh, what about what about the other two of you? What do you think? Oh, I should say as well, uh, Lane can't be with us tonight. Someone's like, <laughs> someone's missing from this picture. Um, <laughs> Lane can't be with us tonight. Um, she will be back with us next week. And obviously, I'll talk with you, Lane, and uh, hope everything goes well. So, um, yeah. So, Carlos was just talking about his feelings on this. What about the other two of you? Where are you with this? So, I <clears throat> one of the things I noticed since I started started playing this game is that I make different decisions in a stream game than I would make in a game where there weren't people watching. Um, mm -hmm. Because I will, you will always try to choose the course of action I think is most narratively interesting. Uh, whereas if I, even if that means f failing at something that I could have succeeded at, because it, because it feels like it's a more collaborative version of storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. That it, you can do by doing that and give somebody else an opportunity to have a moment you know, in, in, in some way or another. And that's quite fun. And it's, I also like that it's quite fast paced. I guess it's a different version of what Carlos was saying. That you can't, so like, I mean, some of you will know, if you let me, I will meander for like four or five hours <laughs> on a topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously that's terribly interesting to me and not very many other people. <laughs> so actually it's kind of, it's kind of nice to be in a situation where you have to, um, you have to go and uh, um, make this, not just make decisions quite quickly, but you have to go and, um, and uh, sorry, it's just, I was just hearing something in my oh, no, It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Peter, but, yeah. Peter left, but came back. Yes. Um, but you, yeah, you have to kind of, you have to have some kind of semblance of sticking to time rather than kind of wandering around. So, uh, so that, that is, uh, that's what I love about it. And I do feel, I do think it's quite different actually than, than, you know, uh, a, a group of people sitting around a table where you don't have, you don't have other people who are, who are watching you. Well, it is, it is, it is very, very different. It, the, the, the fact that, is 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 role playing with an audience? So yeah, if you have yeah. ever had like someone be a guest and be the audience, it's it's that feeling. <laughs> yeah, um, sorry, Phil. Is there anything you want to jump in with before I talk for seven hours on this topic? Uh, I mean, talk for uh, many I, more I, hours. I, I, uh, for me, and um, uh, I, I I came to this when. I was what six months into these games, little baby. So of course, through the on the Tam Tamas Chronicle, uh, I've said grown up and growing and learning as this, and uh, I've been of course learning a lot more, building more complex characters now. Which again, because you always start, you always start simple, but you always you, you um, people talk, do you want to make something that's going to be kind of for for again for create a character for and create size. So it's like 
well, it can be a character that's kind of you know entertaining, entertaining way, but also a also a different um, a different kind of char- character arc that maybe hasn't been played played on the stream. I I, I don't know. I was maybe pulling ideas out of my ass really, uh, which which again is 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 all good fun. Um, and uh, I one thing I I I so enjoy about this is as as uh, as Carl said. Um, is the is knowing that that people are watching and uh, in, in that um that's you and that you enjoy and the feedback is 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 incredible because and before before this I've done some amateur musical uh, amateur musicals and for them it's knowing the audience is there just makes it better even better doing it um yeah it's 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 a, it's a little we have just just um, again anything it's, it's like the fan art. Oh, and you guys, you you guys have made me cry. On, you guys have made me cry on stream <laughs> several times, and I know damn well at some point you're gonna make me do it again. That is that is a given. Yeah. Um, but I, I, we, I we actually so we do ask them to make you cry on a semi regular basis. Is that one of your things? Can you make cry this week? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, there's something though that you're you're all I think talking about that I definitely agree with which is this this thing where on the one hand it is just like a normal role-playing game in that we play characters you tell a story you roll dice things like that happen but that there is an audience so for me certainly there's always an awareness of well what if i was just watching this and i wasn't playing it because i think when you're when you're at home like if i'm a player in a regular role-playing game i like to indulge right if my character likes a particular spc Yep. And I want to go and have a chat with them for like 13 hours and then maybe they said something interesting so now I want to go and talk to the other SPC they mentioned and talk to them for 13 hours. But not necessarily <sighs> in ways that are driving the story forward or doing radically interesting things for everyone else, you know. So you, in, guys, in, um, you guys are super lucky you don't have eight hours of Velvet and Sir, right? Yeah. Like, no, so, I mean. <laughs> He'll probably be a flurry in chat. No, yeah. we want the Seth and Velvet show. <laughs> no, but the thing is that, uh, I mean, you're probably the type of MMORPG player that goes to every single side quest and then has a conversation yeah. with yeah, the NPC. That you see, oh, I see a question mark over that NPC. You go over there and then you sit down and read the whole text and you try to exhaust yeah. all the options and all that. Yeah. And then when you're playing uh, on the stream, it's more of a, of an adventure game with no side quest, like <laughs> very minimal, like an adventure game, very fast track, one one line with with your personal side quests along the line. So one one thing actually, I really just... like. Oh, fight! Sorry. Go on then after you. Well, well, I'm, I'm not a storyteller today. You it's can one thing... any time you want. <laughs> well, the only thing that was just to add to what you said it's, that's been interesting for me about this is that. When I create characters, I never set goals for them, not ever, because I like to just wander around mm. with them. And, and and in this, you have to do that, because if there's yeah. a story arc, you don't know where you're going, then you are wandering around, but it's just not very interesting. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so, so, uh, so actually, that's a, that's a thing that I've learned that I've, out of being involved in this that I, I, that I didn't have, you know, I didn't have before. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I also, one of the, because I... I do like if what I would call, I suppose, kind of character-based role-playing, and I like when I role-play, I take it seriously. Some might say too seriously. Um, and one of the things that I like about the stream is it makes everybody take it seriously, right? That 
everybody's like, okay, we're all going to be here. We're starting at seven, so we have to be here. We, you know, we're live on the internet. So it's not, you know, sometimes in the game, you know, you might have a player who says, well, yeah, we're starting at seven, but I'll show up at eight. You know, not in my game. Or you'll, <laughs> say, yeah. or you'll get people that say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, something came up. I'm not free this week. Yeah. Or you'll get people who are kind of on their phones or, you'll, you know, obviously none of the people watching the show, you're all wonderful, I'm sure. But, you know, there are players out there like that. And it can be a bit frustrating because obviously it's you're all equal at the table and it's it's just good manners. And that's the only thing you have to kind of enforce that unless you, things get nasty. So yeah. I like the stream because it kind of makes everybody say, right, we're going to bring our A game. And it makes everybody say, okay, how can we make this better from week to week? There's a sort of reflection and analysis that goes on, I feel, on the stream that maybe I wouldn't do if I was just role-playing in a game. And that, that for me, is, I, I guess it makes it a bit more crafty, hmm. as in it's a craft that I'm trying to work on rather than just a, a game that I'm playing for fun, purely. Yep. And obviously, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it's also a thing where I want to try and do it well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over that because I, because I certainly I'm enjoying it. you um, with all this that ha- is inspiring. It, it is inspiring. So, so it's like a lot of these books are here because I've been inspired by you or by everyone here and everyone everyone here, both in chat and on stream, all these wonderful people to try more and go out more and go out, go out and reach more. And thank you so much for that. You you are you all are. Yes, you are all awesome people. Now, because we're mentioning oh. you awesome people, maybe we should go to a question from one of you awesome people. Oh. There are a few. And it's actually, it's really good. <laughs> I had these topics and I was like, oh, I've got to introduce this next topic now. But now I don't because Elfane's going to do it for me. Um, so he has a question. Oh, hello, Elfane. You're wonderful, by the way. Hello. Elfane. And, and I always feel that... But the thing about Elfane's is he often makes very, I feel, insightful comments about what he thinks is going on in the story that are often shockingly correct. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. he makes some predictions. No. It's like, I bet no. this is going to be this way. And, uh, um, and a few episodes later, it's like, oh, he, he, he did that. Premonition. Is he, is he a Malkavian in the in the Ghost Because I, I can't see what's in there. Is he, is he a Malkavian? Because that sounds. I don't know. Well, does, this mean just, does this mean he's just really frustrated with us? Where he's like, I, obviously it's this. Why aren't you yes, going up? Probably, probably <laughs> he's very frustrated with us. I think if well, he played. He did play a a Dunson, uh sort of like Giovanni in 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 the in the Memorians, and they have all space too. So. I like it. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was terrifying and amazing. Yeah, I think Giovanni so... should be terrifying. That's what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I think Elfang seems in, in I, I think he was like a Ventru on the Discord channel. I don't know. I don't remember. The so, but go on. Mitch, though. Yeah, These are forbidden secrets for us. Yes. Oh, he is. <laughs> Come on, Mitch. Ghost of Mitch. He is always watching from somewhere, you know. He's always there. Like one of those force ghosts. So anyway, uh, Elthane's has a question for you, players. Uh, and it's nice because it leads us on to the discussion that I was going to have around Season 3. And he wants to know how you would rate the outcome of your character's individual plans so far. So he would like to know how you as players 
would rate the outcome of your character's plans. Is this like is this like so, one to ten, oh. where ten is staggeringly successful, and one is you might as well give up? Probably. I, I, yeah, I mean, you can you can put a number on it if you like, but I think probably also some words and context would be pretty great too. Um, I'm going to nominate Phil to start us off because he looks like he's thinking the most. <laughs> there's still a bit of storytelling in me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> so, um, I'm, for, for, for science, I am at least. His plan, his objective, of course, has ju has just been met. Uh, vengeance, which um, um, because that's been a little thing about working with, working with Peter. Uh, some of that's been shown that uh, that's 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 been developing, but isn't that, as I don't think it's been officially said yet. But it has been a yeah. Certainly, in season three, your main desire was to or ambition was to get revenge on Amargo for bringing mm. down your prince, um, and that is something you've achieved for sure. So what number would you put on it? I mean, for, for that, it's achieved 10 out of 10. Um, but, but for next, for next plans, um, I think 50-50. Are there uh, any other not? plans that Silas had already so far mm -hmm. that because he, he has either achieved or is on the way to achieving? Um, uh, what's the plan for... I can, uh, he he was uh, sorry. I was I was impressed that he survived the games without losing a limb. Um, Me too. Yeah. Me too. Oh, I didn't try. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> you're uh, not alone uh, in that feeling. Panic, panic. I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because one of your ambitions was to win the games in season two, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was to win I the games. This impress. Um, yeah, which is uh, which. <laughs> Which I sh I should have seen the game thing coming to Sars because it was built, but I'm making it as a player when they said that Sars was up for it. I'm now as a player going, fuck. But yeah, um, again, for, for that, him, again, that's what we want. Yep. Again, he's, All right, let's he's, jump he's, on to. Yep. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so he's, he's also playing he's on. Yeah, he's playing on reconnecting more with his Touchstone Jenny, which, yes, I know, such a bad thing that happened, but. <laughs> Here for well, let's, let's park for there a moment because I know there are yep. people who want to know about your future plans. Future that plans. might be another question for Nigel. So let's let's come to that later. So talking about current plans, your current plans in season three, how far you think you're getting to them? Numbers optional. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'll go to Bex next. Well, in summary, um, I'm trying to shift my sire, as everybody knows. Uh, with the worthy goal. Um, I'm now in a position where I don't know if I've succeeded. Most of the people who tried to help me might be dead and I can't go back to the house and find out. So I reckon this is like a two or three in terms of success so far. <laughs> um, but this is what you get for, you know, the kind of expertly planned uh, operation that um, that I ran in that regard. Um, but I, I think if, if, if Wallace ends up dead, dead because of this, it would be a 10 out of 10 for plan, like for plan achieved, and a one out of 10 for feelings and think, how you feel about it, you know? I think one of the problems is if, if it's successful, this will do nothing to, to, to tell Velvet that he should operate differently the next time. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, um, but, but yeah, so that, that's obviously his, his 
as his, his current ambition. He's always had the same desire all the way through the game, which is all Adam all the time. But there hasn't been any, <laughs> haven't been any time for that. And like, yeah. Joanne's got the love nest. It's just a fucking disaster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So I think, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, by the time we get to episode 10, he'll get some recon from his brother about how, how dead or not Wallace is. So, cool. yeah. But what about you, Carlos? Where's, where's Theodore in all this? Well, there isn't a fun, it's a funny position because when the Chronicle started, his main ambition was to gain a title of Oxfordshire. It's like, be like, of course, down the line, knight or, or, or any other position, you know. But then after seeing how things went on, uh, and that, that was before he knew he was a La Sombra, uh, spoilers. Uh, if you haven't watched season one, episode like three, but um, oh, yeah, they're gonna be loaded. <laughs> You've not have to say, sorry. They're, gonna, they're gonna hate me for, for blowing that out. <laughs> You're already like, what? Thomas won the games? He's not, <laughs> he's not a very <laughs> true one. So, um, yeah. uh, so this is a, like an ambition that predated all of that and knowledge of who he was, and then especially the conversation he had with uh with velvet about the the, the matters of lordship and, and being around uh that's when theodore realized that probably what he was looking for in a position uh, like a, net, a a title was um to be able to lead through example in a respectable manner you know the the respect you offer to higher station and and all of that but he he realized after that conversation he had it a little bit twisted not twisted i mean he was he was putting a little bit much, too much effort in things that other people would think, and he didn't care about that. So his ambition changed immediately before Drogo was killed. He wanted to make the, the La Sombra accepted and respected because that is who he is. And now uh, the death of Drogo has both thrown, thrown a wrench into his plans, but also provided several other opportunities. Mm. So I would say that since he's very pragmatic in his eyes, he, he sees the middle of combat as the, uh, not the time for planning, but the time for, for strategizing. You plan beforehand, and he's in the middle of it now. So Miyuki's safe. Naoto is dead. Amago is dead. Double win. Triple win. But Meliora has been captured, and he's still a hidden La Sombra. So I would put him himself. He would think he's at, at seven, maybe eight out of ten. On on uh, so far as things go, he's making the most of the situation. So Ooh. Pete, how are your plans going? Uh, well, it's interesting you <laughs> ask that because there are some my plan related questions coming up oh, okay. shortly. In this, um, which I think are relevant to this. I was just working it in my head the best order to ask some of the questions that we've got. So this might seem like a random thing to ask, but it will become relevant in a minute, which is that Amis, the lovely hey. Amis, um, also known as the Bowman, uh, <laughs> you. would like to know if the players are intending on watching the memoriams when the Chronicle is done. Yes. So the memoriam sessions for anyone who hasn't seen them, anyone you. 
Um, they are, no, I'm kidding, they're set between seasons two and three uh, in terms of when we you know, aired them. And they tell kind of stories from Oxfordshire's past around the foundation of the domain and critical events in its history. There were three of them that we did. And obviously we had fabulous players drawn from the ghouls themselves. And uh, in this case, obviously, uh, Mitch also joined us uh, to play the Thomas throughout them all. So anyway, to back to Amos's question, players, are you planning to watch the memoriams when the Chronicle is done? I have already watched them because I was in yeah. chat helping the, the tech ghouls daily. And that's when I was given the, the mighty sword of power. And yes. I have to, I have to, uh, um, I have to thank, um, I think it's GM Amazon. He, he supported, <laughs> he supported giving Carlos power on the chat a hundred percent. So yeah, well, yeah I watched watch them all and I love them. Okay, cool. So so I haven't watched them, um, which I should say it's not because it's not because we were banned from watching them. It's because for me, if it, there is a there is a difficulty in that kind of meta thing of going, <clears throat> where's the separation between things I know, things the character knows, and it's yeah. easier to manage if you just yeah. don't know things. I know it's not the same for everybody, but that's how it is for me. Um, I feel pretty similar to that, actually. Yeah. So it is. It, otherwise, you just get I can't remember how I know this thing, so I'll just assume I know it. Um, and I know it felt to me like some of the some of the things that happen in that would be quite critical to 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 they would be things that Velvet would have an interesting perspective on. So so my intention is to watch them once we're once we're finished, for sure. Cool. And Phil, how about you? I mean, I can admit, I, I I did I did watch it live because it was I was fascinated fascinated to see what see what uh, what the community would bring. Uh, I was like. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, that's incredible. I had so many amazing moments from that. I mean, Joey, Joey, Joey was. Don't spoil me. Just to Joey. That's 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 a fa that's a favorite moment from it. But yeah, everyone was so incredible, and and yeah. I know damn well Silas wouldn't wouldn't know wouldn't know any of it. <laughs> like, yeah, something actually that I did say at the time, but I always feel kind of bears repeating was that that was you no know, lockdown has been not awesome, obviously for many 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 reasons. But in terms of the stream, it meant that we can't gather in the same place, and you know that has been a real a kind of real shame because I feel like there's a certain energy you get when you're in the room together that's hard to replicate over over the internet. But the silver lining was that we had this opportunity to bring people in for, that wouldn't normally get, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't normally play. And the thing that I was really blown away by, and I know Carlos had a very similar experience when he did the Blood on the Seven one shots, but more on Blood on the Seven later, um, was just how much everybody committed. Right? That, yes, yes. You know, everybody just went in 100% and, and like worked really hard on their characters and coming up with background. And I feel like one shots are really challenging from the point of view that you have, you know, Carlos mentioned earlier that in, even in the stream, in the Chronicle, you've got very limited time actually to get your character across. The one shot that is like concentrated down. You might have two, three scenes to really get your character across to the audience. People really went for it. And I was, I was blown away to be honest with you. Um, so 
this question about the memoriams is something of a trap question. So, Bex, you have saved yourself. You you can sit back and you know relax for this next bit, um, because because there is a follow up question. Um, let me see if I can hunt it. I have something down. stronger. Need something stronger. Yeah, and um, water. Okay, I talk. You have water. So there is a question from Len, the wonderful Len, who of course oh, took yeah. part in the memoriams as well. And, um, the and in the seven uh, one shots as well. And she wants to know what you as players think I might be doing as a storyteller. So basically, what are your ideas about where I'm heading for with Blood on the Tamases this season. Where do you think season three is going? Also, perhaps based on what you might have seen in the memoriams. If you haven't well, seen the memoriams, you might have to answer it. Well, I. <clears throat> yeah, I'm predictions of where you think season three is going. Well, we only have five episodes left. And, <laughs> and the usurper Helena. Who thinks herself <laughs> Prince of Reading, of or anywhere for that matter, um, has to be dealt with. And uh, if if what we did with Amago is any sign of our, you know, ability to 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 take plans and make them happen, it took like three sessions just to get to Amago, uh, and then the similar amount to get to Wallace. So. I'm half expecting to have, I don't know, like Sir Thomas de Lamour arrive like in episode 10 and say like, who killed Drogo? Oh, we already killed him, but it wasn't because of that bitch. Oh, okay, and the ghost kills a lot of people and then you <laughs> You know? So your prediction is last episode is Mitch's guest player. Yeah. in as Thomas, yeah. reading all the riot act about what happened and then you like fire at Helena. And then if he does that, then he's my prince. Sweet. I mean, he's a founding knight. <laughs> then you can say to him, I accept you as prince. Yeah. You now now, now yeah. that you've proven now yourself. You, you have proven yourself. yourself. Yeah. All right. And does anyone have any differing predictions about where they think season three is going? By anyone, he means you, Phil, because... Oh, I, I, I don't I can have a view, can't I? You could no, also but, have a view. You oh, just yeah, can't base yeah. it on the memoriams. But you yeah, exactly. Have... You cannot base it on the memoriams because you haven't That's watched it. That's okay. okay. You don't yeah. need memoriams to have views. <laughs> no, exactly. What the hell is this? <laughs> you want to go in there, Phil? You, you go for it. I mean, I mean, for, for, from how uh, the thing that Margo ended with, you know, with the sirens, and they're going, that smells second inquisition. That stinks second inquisition. And they're going, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's, what have you done to us, chat? What have you done? So you don't get me the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, so I mean, strange you think that chat would have had anything to do with what happened <laughs> with that session. Why yeah. would you blame those innocent, sweet people? Anything that possibly, yeah. I'll hold any way. Yeah, I'll hold chat responsible. Influence that scenario. I'll hold chat responsible for anything that happens to my my <laughs> grandsire Meliore. I mean, why mess with my grandma? There were so many other kindred, and you mess with my grandma. And my grandma and my sire. Your yeah, your grandma and your handy. sire were not taken by a we black man. Your grandma's handy. I think she's going to be fine. 
<laughs> we don't know that. We don't know where the fuck they are. But yeah, um, so um, from 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 the memoriams, I mean, there, there's there, there's other characters, Thomas Delamore, and others that that could certainly make an appearance. Who, by this point, being much older, will bring some oh. serious thing. Which it's gonna. Yeah. It's going to turn into a political minefield, which is which is going to be. You turn the wrong way, you lose your head. So it could it could well be. Without oh, that is the hope, obviously. Alternatively, can we have the bowman come back? I can point him in the direction of Elena really fast. Well, there are questions about the Mamorian characters coming up, which I will I will address in a minute. Okay. Um, but yes, it's an interesting question. What has happened to the bowman, and will he return? Oh, we'll, we'll think about we'll that. We'll send him to Reading. We'll give him um, the whole of Reading. You can have all of Reading. All of Reading. Check your divvying and, up to domain. And all the kindred there. <laughs> so, what about you, Bex? What do you think? Where do you think season three is going? Well, here is a fun fact for you. I don't ever consider in games I play where they're going. So, I have no idea. But I also <laughs> don't consider what, where games I'm running are going, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just not a thing that enters my head because I kind of just like to see what happens. So it doesn't. I don't think about it. There you go. There is my answer. Go. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, so while we're talking about memoriams, there was a question from uh, GM Amazon. Oh, my son, I should say. Um, that are there plans to incorporate the memoriam characters into the story? Um. And the answer to that question is yes. Now, that might be a bit of a tease because obviously I might incorporate them into the story just because they might get mentioned. Yeah, and, and I think I think something of that has already sort of happened, yeah, or at least the actions. Yeah. Because um, in the first yeah. two seasons, there was no mention of the weakened state of Sir William. It was always said that he was like sort of mummified and stuff, but not in a weakened state. And it, that has come to light after the memorial with the Tremere. So I mean, interesting. For those of you, if you want to go back and watch season one, you might also, though, recall there have been certain references, even in season one, to Sir William's speed and health. Just dropping it in there because I yeah. care about these things. But yes, it's true. Now the memoriam has happened, certain things have kind of been brought into the light and have been brought into a more kind of uh, a more serious focus. Um, and yeah, the, that absolutely, there are some thoughts about Morium characters. It also partly depends on the, what the players do and where the players go specifically as well. Yes, there are some plans, but I might be teasing you a bit by saying that, but there are definitely some plans. Okay, I'm just going to have a quick skim to see, because I feel like tying up the Memorium thing is kind of nice at this point. And I think, oh, yes. So another question from Amis, um, which is a good question. And one that I will partially answer, but I will also partially field towards Carlos. He is the voice of the future. Da, da, da. And kind of slowly decaying voice of the present, seems to be the voice of the past. Um, which is about, do we have any more kind of memoriams or spin-off one-shots in mind as a plan? Um, and if we do, are there any settings or themes, etc., that we would like to see? Um, so I'm going to answer this a little bit. But first, then I'm going to hand over to Carlos, and that's just to say, I don't at the moment have any Pamacy's one-off um, sessions planned. 
with the caveat that if I fail to finish my story in season three, I might have a couple. <laughs> and, and the other caveat being that if I suddenly get inspired by an idea, I kind of reserve the right to, to throw that in. Yeah. Um, in a more general sense, we've really of the success of the one shots that we've run in this format and we and historically obviously we ran one shots as well um so we do have some plans on that i'm also gonna i'm gonna throw you a little bit carlos's way to see if he has anything to add to that well for the for the blood on the severn uh chronicle i think it was it's very very handy to have had the not only the first sort of introductory one with with Lane, uh, Peter, and, and Phil, but also to have the other three with the ghouls. I mean, I end up with a host of NPCs across time doing def defining things. So the actions of those players down the line for the Memorians, including, well, Blood on the Seven is going to start in 2012, so it's going to be even after even the, the one-shot uh, Peter, Phil, and, and Lane played. The those actions will be already a part of Bristol, and they, they will be there in the description. Probably someone survived or not doesn't. It's not something that I'm going to reveal, but I do have some plans in the future to try and incorporate sort of flashbacks <coughs> from so the blast from the past, if you will, uh, in in a couple of things for the story of lot on the Severn. The thing is that I have to be really careful because I want to I want to have little flashbacks, probably not full-blown sessions, but discrete sessions that then are edited into one video uh, as, a, as a little flashback, flashback of the ages, sort of explaining what has happened without giving too much away and not spoiling it for the ghouls. So it has to be really delicate. So I do have a plan for it. Uh, I have not figured out a way of making it interesting as well, because it has to be uh, relevant and interesting. If if my creative juices just run dry, then I'll probably do something like conjure it from like up my sleeve. But yes, there are plans to to have a little bit more of the past of Bristol brought back to life. Oh, thank you. Um, so there was a, a question, another question from El Sain that kind of feels appropriate to talk about now. Um, and you can relax because this question is for me. Um, and it is, that is, is there anything in this season so far that I did not expect to happen? And how has that changed the trajectory of the story? And it's a really interesting question because one of the things about, as anyone who's run games knows, that yes, as a storyteller, you have a kind of story in mind or you have events and things that might happen. Then you introduce the players to that. And you know the players might do things that change the course of the story, or they might not even care about the story. They might go somewhere else. And one of the things that's been quite fun for me is that there are various events that have been player-led at points. So one of the things was that there was an opportunity that came up back in season one when the, when the players were still trying to prove themselves as worthy citizens of Oxfordshire which kind of came up just through a series of things in play, really, and a little bit of um, ghoul intervention in the background, where a kind of a, a thing <laughs> came up that there had been some trouble in, in between um, Kindred in Reading, Western, who was stirring up some stuff about Drogo to the Camarilla. And 
players basically jumped on this and said, right, we're going to find this guy and we're going to take action and we're going to prove ourselves worthy. And it became this massive, it became the dominant focus of the end of season one. And the, the actions of going into Reading to find this guy who was in hiding and then lead the Knights of Oxfordshire to his location because he was an elder <coughs> shaped the rest of the game. Yep. You know, but as a result of that, Reading then went and protested and, and poor David yeah. <laughs> um, got staked, um, which actually in hindsight was one of his better interactions with Oxford. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, I think <laughs> also in the end of season two, obviously there's the duel between uh, Drogo and Amargo. I didn't, as a storyteller, I didn't kind of push the players in any direction after that. It was the players who said, this is an outrage. We are going to hunt down this elder vampire and bring him to justice. And we're going to gather as many SPCs with us as we possibly can. <laughs> and we're going to go and charge into another domain and, and kill him. So it, it's a hard question to answer in that sometimes I'll talk to the players between um sessions and sort of say so what's your character think you're doing and things like that so i have a kind of an idea of what might be coming my way but these things are not in my plan at all these are things that the players drive and one of the things that i was very keen on and which was keen on too when we were kind of planning the game out is creating a kind of a, a sandbox we'll probably talk about this a bit more as well when the when the game finally finishes but creating a sandbox where the players within reason can can shift that because i do like i like the fact in vampire that there are many people who are just way scarier than you and you have to be really careful i i what i don't like is a game where as a player you feel like you have no agency i wanted the players to have providing they weren't you know if they were clever about it or if they were lucky about it or if they were just willing to spend huge amounts of resources about it they would be able to to make change happen in the city so yeah, to, to answer the question anyway, yeah, the quest the players have had like massive impact on the story and taken it in completely different directions than than maybe where we first thought. So glad glad to be of help. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Our job is I have a nice yeah. I have a nice question from a wonderful ghoul who is even come to see us in real life, which is a lovely thing. And that's Kirsty. Hey. Okay, I was wondering which one because we've had more than one, but yeah. Hi, Kirsty. And we welcome. We very much like to have more if you're ever yes. in the, yes. the area. Do let us know, and we will come and you know drink drinks with you and eat food with you and talk at you a lot until you. Socially distance, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Socially distance. Yeah, wearing masks, obviously, and washing your hands, but. Um, so yeah, anyway, this is a question from Kirsty, and this is for the players, and it's which SPC, well, no, it's not, sorry, I'm going to, I'll take her words specifically, she put them here. Which character on the show does your character most look up to and why? So a nice, wholesome question. Which character on the show, obviously that could be empirical mortal, could be player or SPC. Which character on the show does your character look up to the most and why? I would say for Theodore it would be Sir William. Um, he does look up to 
uh, Isabel and Meliore, for sure. And um, but Sir William is for Theodore, someone who has had the patience and uh, and and the attention to to slowly form some sort of connection through the interaction, the tea ceremony became ritual. They, their conversations are always very formal, even though they have been interacting for over 10 years, uh, far more than what Theodore has seen him interact with, with other neonates. Um, the, he's always respectful towards uh, others. E even when, I, like, when Theodore was not recognized as a citizen, of Oxfordshire. So he sort of embodies, after a fashion, one of the convictions of Theodore, which is, you know, respect others and demand respect. Uh, but also the, the other conviction of, of I'm the lord of my castle. And even though he's not, he was not the prince, he was the child of the prince, a founding knight, and he was instrumental in many of the decisions. So, so he approaches very much at least two of the convictions and also disobedience is dishonor i think it's that's the reason that he he sort of behaves in a way that is according like it goes parallel to all theodore's convictions despite everything despite being an elder which he theodore knows that elders can be uh whimsical or flighty you know in in their in their trains of thoughts so I would say Sir William. He is like a good representation of the things that Theodore holds dear. This uh, like obedience, respect, and and being the lord of your own place. Cool. What about the two of you? What do you what do you think? I think <clears throat> I think it's it's a tough question, but it's probably um, it, no, it's not probably. It's definitely Theo. Um, See, he, for Velvet, he's a character who, um, who is, so Velvet's a character who, who doesn't have a good or solid relationship with his family or particularly with his father and who is kind of missing that. But then also, I think it's mainly his interactions with Theo that have, have helped him adjust to the world that he lives in and also to make or to begin making this transition from a life where he just expects to be given things or he expects to achieve things without any kind of effort um, and, and and doesn't really, isn't really used to having to take accountability for his actions or or behave in often in, in any kind of reasonable way. But that actually that feels to me like it's a door that, that Theodore opened um, and, and has then been able to kind of, to kind of, help him and mentor him and, and kind of, you know, um, and I think he, he feels to me now, like, like if Theodore's disappointment is like the worst thing that could happen to him, right? It's like, it's like, it's like I don't mind. I, yeah, I could be nearly killed by Wallace. I can be, I can be, you know, clogged over the head by Sir Enolf. But if, if Theodore's disappointed in me, then I can't carry on, right? Like, oh, wow. that's okay. That's, so, um, so yeah, so that's, so that's it for him. Cool. Thank you. What about you, Phil? Where's what's which character does Silas most look up to? I've got to admit, this again. Think of this um, for Silas. It's Theodore as well, because again, for for same for same no, reason. The, the, um, for when Silas has been 
it's just and for for uh, for the whole because uh, because <laughs> before before everything he he, yeah, he was he was okay he he, he was that guy who'd act through all the part who act through the parts again he gave Megan in, in his skills but then having to change them from acting you know deliberately deliberately missing and not making contact to actually delivering the blows and uh, uh, and uh, having to engage things and be and do all the other things that that it needs to do, um, but again, the- Theodore as well has has been the one there guiding 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 how uh, guiding with how, guiding with how to do that. Um, <clears throat> it's been the thing where where when Silas was discovered that uh, uh, Theodore is as old as he is, so it's like that that was where Silas was was the thing of what. <laughs> And then just think uh, other places happening, and yeah, Cyrus really, really does look look up look at the Theodore a lot. And um, Cyrus has never, Cyrus has never been, uh, been ambitious enough to really take the center, really take the center stage. Is one thing that really held him back from his, his career. He, but, um, he, he'll 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 help others reach the limelight, but for him, reach for him himself reaching it. He's he's never been that that uh, he has never had that confidence to to make it to make it there. That little push. That little push, which Theo does, and again, it, that's what has and you know. Ooh, it helps, what a, uh, what a wholesome so set of answers that you've given. Vampires, See yeah. now, I feel bad for not saying that. I also admire Theodore. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, honestly, it was a close yeah, one thing because I was, I was, I was going to go with Wallace, but, but yeah. I thought that that would be. I didn't think <laughs> Wallace would be most. <laughs> He's inspired you to murder him, and that's yeah. an important thing. Yeah. I suspect if, obviously, if if Lamer with us this evening, that Joanne would not be saying Theodore. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? No, no, definitely not. Hell no, hell no, <laughs> no, hell no. Now, obviously, one should I'll never. Take, I'll take for hundred percent. I'll take the hundred percent. Yeah, you're, you're okay. I think most of us would definitely be in the high nineties. I reckon for that. Obviously, we shouldn't have favourites, but I have a favourite question. I think. <laughs> and this question is from Serpentine. I'm going to just read it as it's written. For the wonderful Peter, I admire so much. <laughs> I, I really love this question. Anyway, no, well, the question's great. I mean, uh, how, anyway, how do you make SPCs like Neonate and Ancillae without them feeling overpowered? Because it's a, a thing about balance. And I'm glad that you asked this question because like many, many things in this world, especially imaginary things, I have strong opinions about it. Um, and because I do think it can feel like an issue sometimes where in Vampire, it's in the setting that often you will be dealing with characters that are decades, if not hundreds of years older than you, that will have terrifying powers that can just command your character a word or can rip your character's head off if they lose their temper in a heartbeat. And part of that fear and that, that kind of difficulty of dealing with those characters is at the core of the game. At the same time, you know, you want... <coughs> You want the players to feel like they can do something. There's, I have two kind of thoughts about this or two answers to this question. One thing I would say is that I think V5 does a good job of 
shrinking slightly the difference in power between neonates and Scylla and Elder than they were in previous editions. And if you're creating an Ancilla and, you're, and you've built them from a, an, I would say when you're creating those SPCs, don't create them as Elders or as Ancilla. Create them as a human and say, okay, let's imagine now they're going to be a neonate, so I'm going to spend some XP there. And then they're going to go into being an Ancilla, so they're going to spend some more XP there. And then I'm going to go to Elder. And one of the other things to think about is that vampires do not spend all of their time raising their disciplines. Yeah. Right? They, because if you think, like when you first become a vampire and your life changes radically, you probably have to pick up some new skills, most likely. Like you might have to pick up some subterfuge if like you're not used to lying to people. Breaking into your family you, home. Yeah. yeah. You might have to pick up. Brawl yeah. for grappling for feeding. Yeah. Or you, persuasion. You may need, yeah, you might need persuasion. You might need to get some stealth. There's all kinds of avenues you might have to start delving into. You might suddenly have to learn about politics if you're involved in the Camarilla. Yeah, there are loads of things where your character might kind of spread outwards. The other thing, of course, is that when you have immortal sires who expect the best of you, your character may also have to work on their deficiencies. If your character has always been physically weak to a serious detriment, depending on your sire, they may not think that's acceptable. You may have to develop aspects of yourself to, to fit into that world. Um, Actually, when you start spending XP in that way, often you end up with a much more rounded SPC, but also one that is much less powerful. Sometimes the thing can feel like, oh, I don't know, I'm creating a, a Ventru, say. Oh, well, they're an Ancilla or an Elder Ventru, so that means they must have ludicrous amounts of Dominate, they must have ludicrous amounts of Manipulation, they must have ludicrous... You know, and if you do that, what you end up with is lots of Ventru Elders who are very similar and all monstrously powerful at about three different things, not very good at anything else. Of course, you know, people just don't work that way. And those of us who've been in lockdown, the majority of us have not said, oh, I've had all this extra time. I'm going to learn seven languages and three instruments, and I'm also going to pick up a new sport. You know, most of us have kind of, you know, we've used that time, but maybe not super efficiently. And I like to think that elders are just like us, if not worse, from that point of view. They do not spend every minute of their thousand years of unlife learning new things. But if anything, they probably forget a lot of stuff things they did learn become less relevant and they bemoan the fact that it is less relevant and try and get everyone to use the old means rather than the new one you know and that kind of leads me on to my my second point which is we often see people i mean not everybody because some people are exceptional and they're great and you know more power to them but many people who if you like lived their childhood and early adult lives and beyond without the internet or computers often struggle with those new technologies, particularly ones that have developed very quickly. And if you imagine that if, you, if you're an elder and you were around in a time maybe weren't even printing presses, now you're in a world where people can pluck information out of the air seemingly onto their phones, have cameras, and communicate, and be tracked, all of these things are just so outside your world of experience. Actually, probably as an elder, interacting with the world can become very scary. Certainly in Oxfordshire, a majority of the elders do not interact with the world anymore. They interact with Ancilla and Neonate, who interact with the world on their behalf, or ghouls. And they're not aware of these things, you know. Also, if you grew up 
hundreds and hundreds of years ago and you suddenly go out to a city now it's like fully lit and cars and noise and the numbers of people i think that is also kind of terrifying potentially um so if you're looking for ways to depower your elders think about the fact that they're going to be useless in the modern world in many fronts also think about the fact that humanity is probably low what that most likely means is they only care about certain things those things they might care about a lot but they're not going to care about many other things which means a lot of stuff's going to pass them by uh, and also that they can get very single-minded and they can also be a little bit like children when they don't get what they want they're less able to resist the beast one of the great things is one of the triggers for fury frenzy is if you're insulted by an inferior and when you're an elder nearly everyone is your inferior yeah and if you're an elder with low humanity especially if you're a brewer your chance of resisting fury frenzy is very low <laughs> and that means that well yes this can be bad for the people that are subject to your frenzy it also means you can very easily blow the masquerade and you can very easily get hunted down by the inquisition so elders have weaknesses and they can be exploited so i would say you know if you think of them like very powerful toddler pensioners rather than kind of all-seeing all-knowing omniscient beings of power then then it should become more balanced I, i sense people want to jump in so do jump in i i was just i mean i I think I pretty much agree with everything you said. One of the things I was going to add, though, which is that I think as a player, one of the things that I quite enjoy, not just about this game, but about other get other vampire games that I've played in that have larger numbers of elders, is that if you're the neonate character, there is something about the process of learning how to communicate with the elder. Like, like yeah. basically, what is the path of eggshells that I have to walk around to be able to build a relationship with this person and that that is something about the play experience so that actually that that almost for me their their stats are kind of irrelevant it's much more about well so why are they still here why are they still awake in this time what is it they think they're getting out of life and how do the player characters goals fit into that and how do they Mm. you know and how and how can because it might be that they don't at all but in which case then it should be clear to the players quite quickly this is not a person that you you probably want to spend a lot of time interacting with um but actually i think the elders in um in tamasis have you know the, the ones that each of the characters have picked up with have felt very different and they felt like they have very different motivations and actually they they come across very differently um and actually the, and there's a reverse of that i think because although wallace is not an elder he is a character who um who velvet knows how to push his buttons mm. and, and that can work to his advantage or not <laughs> yeah. um, and so but 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 in and of itself that's a thing that's a thing that's an experience of playing of figuring that out so that that was just my, my only point Ooh. yeah and I, and I think what you were saying about uh, how they're different from previous editions yes they the, the gap is closer between like an elder and ancilla and um and a neonate but there's still, given the system, still a, a, an interesting power gap because yes, yeah, yeah, it, it used to be in older editions, you know, that if you were lower generation, so smaller number, closer to Cain or whatever, then you were by the by definition more powerful. You would have more blood. I don't know. You could magically store more blood in your body than you know. You automatically you automatically deflect things, so you can't. You automatically oh, yeah. deflect dominate if you're for older. example. 
if yeah. you, if you yeah. not not older, if you're lower generation, yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the the vast majority of elders were defined uh, by people with very strong blood because he's like the the fourth, fifth generation kindred of whatever. Right now, I think blood potency is the great equalizer because you can be a twelfth generation kindred. With blood potency three, that'll make you more powerful than someone that is blood potency one, for example. And some elders are like ninth or tenth generation, but they have good enough blood potency that helps them with that. They don't have to have monstrous disciplines because I think the the quest. I, I'm trying to go back to really it back to to Serpentine's question of how how did you balance it? Uh, yeah. Sometimes you can have perfectly like I don't know. A Toreador elder who does not have five presence five and aspects five and yeah, yeah. five. You can just have someone that has however much they feel appropriate they needed to learn. And then I don't know, one I think in the book says one dot of blood potency for every hundred years I've been alive. Up you can to also their not, generation you can also maximum. Spend all the points, right? You don't have to build them on the point base, right? It's you true. Can, yeah. Yeah. Oh no no what I'm what I'm saying uh, like stats based I don't build elders with points. I build in, I can build in Scylla, but elders I I do what Peter says. I I just say this is going to be a guy in a in the, this is the range of blood potency that he's going to have and these are sort of the powers I want him to have on the disciplines that he will have. But these are the skills that he has learned and if someone has Technology artillery, because they were embraced in the Napoleonic Wars, which is completely useless today unless you're in a in a team that does like ancient, uh, you know, cannon shots and reenactments. <laughs> uh, and they will have it at four because they were an artillery. Great, he will have the knowledge. But then that already tells you that for them, that's technology, gunpowder in a way that you can light some of it up and then blow other people in, not yourself. That is technology for them steam power, which was one of the uh, interesting concepts of, of the characters that we had. Technology, steam power. So when once you see the world through the eyes of the Elder that way, with those skills, drive instead of ride, or of, yeah. uh, archery instead of, um, yeah. of firearms, you start understanding. Like For, for some of them, things like uh, finance is more like Seneschal. So they, they yeah. were serving other people. Then that paints that elder in the way you're going to play them and if you absolutely must stab them because your characters want to face them head on and they have not done their due diligence in finding out their weaknesses don't be afraid throw many dice and wreck them because you should not be able to take an elder without exploiting their weaknesses that's simple they have them and they are monumental just exploit them Yes, yes. The other thing I'd say on the blood potency front is that, of course, if someone goes into torpor, their blood potency can go it down drops. over time as well. So you can have elders that will more still potentially have the powers and the skills and the knowledge, but their blood potency might actually be quite low if they've recently gone into torpor. Because, of course, one of the things about blood potency is it gets harder and harder to feed effectively. So unless you have a machine that's helping you to feed, like in Oxfordshire, then you tend to have to... You know, you get to a point where it's just very difficult on your own. You have to sleep. Okay, so something I wanted to talk about was we're at the mid-season break, and I'm because I'm a benevolent and loving storyteller. I'm giving the players their XP for the whole of season three, i.e., the second half of season three, to spend 
upfront so they can enjoy that XP over the last half of the season. And that kind of leads me into a little bit. We've talked about from the player's point of view where they think the, the season might be going. But I also just wanted to, to ask the players about what they're, what they're going to try and do, what their ambitions are for the last half of season three. What are, they gonna, what, what are their plans and schemes as we move into this last section? Plans and schemes of Theodore? Yeah. Well, not schemes, but definitely plans. He, <laughs> he would definitely... I like the fact you separate them. I out. have schemes. Yeah. <laughs> well, because Theodore is Theodore. So <laughs> I think, depending on what happens next, like he will try to figure out what happened to Meliori, but depending on what happens next, I think he's going to make it his priority to sort out the situation in Oxfordshire. It might sound very noble, but there is a there is there is one driver there that is slightly selfish of him. Uh, and it's because he wants to go back to the, the calm and stable state, you know, steady state in which he can have again that conversation with Velvet and with uh Isabel. And I think, well, somebody else, I think Adam was potentially mentioned, so he could take Miyuki off of the plot bond and have the conversation that it is now getting overdue because they agree that having it sort of once every 10 years uh, and have that conversation with Miyuki. He really desperately wants that. But now he's he's gaining a little bit more status. His name is being mentioned. He's getting a little bit of leeway and pull with, with Ancilla and some elders. Um, so he might use that to his advantage as in trying to see how, if at all possible, is for the kindred of Oxfordshire to accept him, uh, Isabel, and Meliore when we rescue her uh, as the Sombra and uh, instead of Ventru. So I think there are potentially, if that is the course of action, there are, there is probably a very interesting scene to play out with Velvet when, he, when, when they have this sort of exchange. That's what, that's what he plans on doing. Like no longer he wants to be a uh, a titled member of Oxfordshire. He wants a steady Oxfordshire in which he can easily go back to the way things were, gaining the recognition of his blood, and having a conversation with the love of his life. So he wants what we all want to be happy. <laughs> um, all right. What about you? Well, where, where what is Silas planning to do the last I'm, half of season three? I, um, uh, a good chunk of the XP has been spent. I'll, I will, I will say, I will say that now has definitely been spent. Um, yeah, so a good player. All players spend their XP quickly. Yes, Silas is going to be because um, uh, re re reconnect reconnecting with, with, with an old friend. He's really he, he's he's been a realization of I fucked up there. I gotta fix this one. I gotta do this on the quiet. Uh, how do I do this? So that's 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 a plan there. But as well as um, he's he's realizing just how fractured Ox, uh, Oxfordshire is at this point, and with um with with having found out that Wallace seemingly uh, from what 
Melters told him uh, was going to take was uh, making an attempt to take Sarren off. So other elders, uh, other elders were set were set to fall. Uh, he's going to be trying to find out what's ha- what's happened with his with his bloodline because lastly sort of Finn and um, and and so Kursag, uh they were in fr- they were in, uh, in uh, terror frenzy. Mm. To be fair, understandable, absolutely <laughs> fucking understandable. Um, it's not unreasonable when you're on yeah. fire. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No, no, no. I mean, it was. I mean, I, 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 it was so expected that had she not frenzied, the tale of the burning drama would have been the epic of bravery that I would like have forever told. <laughs> like, come on, come on. Yeah, so that reminded um, me of a of a thing. You know, we were talking earlier about the difference between streaming and and playing at home. Mm. One of the things that I'm very mindful of on the stream is that, you know, a role-playing game, when you get into combat, if you're particularly if you're not the players involved in that combat, can be like the slowest computer game in the world. You know, when you're <laughs> when you're combat things. So Mitch and I often, if we know things are coming up, we will we can't pre-roll everything because we don't know what the players are going to do. But if there is, but there are certain things where we'll be like, what are the likely scenarios in this situation? Who might face this character? What if they do that? So that even if it's just a case of me saying, well, I know this character is going to try and do this thing. I don't know who they're going to do it on, but I know they're going to do it. But then I will pre-roll that action so that when we come to it in session, I'm not sitting going, right, now my 20 SPCs will all roll their dice and I will count them all up and work out what they do because we want to keep the flow going. But it, sorry, it popped it into my head because of something that you were, you were saying just now. I mean, I, I, it's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, so is, is going for the whole, uh, making sure Ox, Oxford is stable because I, in honesty, he has, he has thoroughly enjoyed the, the whole exercise of hiding at least two or three of us in every single fucking room. Of the uh, of the country mansion. Yeah, we're aware of your weapon fetish. Yeah. Oh, Asias is all on it. I, it's, well, it was, it was the other is super the happy with that. Like, like the fact that he knows at any point in his house that he can use something that is is a weapon as a weapon instead of trying to improvise shit. I mean, I I I, I would I would say I've got I've got an idea of um of, of where Asias probably hidden the halberd as well, just because of <laughs> just because of the thing of I'm <laughs> actually I just because I can hide a fucking in my in my head, I've like opened the wardrobe and a fucking pike has fallen out or something. <laughs> 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 right, imagine him going through a book of old yeah. old Japanese weapons as I go, oh, what is this? So they got at me. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna build it so Theodore can use it. Like, dude, that that is something like no one ever uses anymore. No I, one uses I, a kimono I, here. Why do I, you need a new angler? You know. Where do I hide it? <laughs> How do I make it? Where do I hide it? Silas priorities. I love that. From Velvet's perspective, what are what are his plans for the last part two? Um, refill the whiskey cabinet because people Very keep important. drinking that shit. Sorry, right? not sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but actually, um, so he obviously he needs to have a chat with his with his uh, cool dad, bro. Yeah. Um, because, because you know, life is life is tough. But I think that he has he's got a few kind of there's there's something around um uh Adam and this blood bond. So he's got some different views about that. 
which I think uh, will come along at some point. Um, then there's something about his son. So he and uh, he and Theodore had a conversation about that a, lot, a bit back, and obviously he got some advice he didn't like very much. <laughs> so if he's so he's uh, responded appropriately and, and forgotten about it, um, but that needs to kind of come back round. Um, obviously he needs to pay somebody to go to Serenolf and see if Wallace is dead. Uh, he needs to do something about yeah, f- uh, figuring that out. Um, so I think in terms of the last, what are we, five, last five episodes, that feels mm. like that kind of ties everything up. Um, I think he, I think if Theodore wants to go and go out on a bit of a mission to sort out Meliori, then obviously, obviously he'll offer his considerable physicality to that. <laughs> Yeah, because um, <laughs> we've got XP now, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, your brawl one. Yeah, to go with your strength <laughs> one. I bought one in brawl, so I've doubled my dice pool. Nice. Yes. 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 Yeah. If you in now, if you <laughs> rabs, you'll triple it. The last time they faced you, that's that's impressive. Yeah, I figure you can only get hit so much before your brawl has to go up, right? Especially if it's got yeah. a starting base of zero. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly yeah. like we were saying earlier. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so that's that's um that's yeah that's plans. It's difficult to convey plans without actually giving away the plan. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so there was a, a question from Len, which was for me, which we've sort of partly answered, which was how much of the storyline do you improvise based on what the decisions the characters make or have made? Um, which is to say. The way that the way that I work is that I know what the SPCs are doing, and so I know what some of the kind of global events are going to be. I know how they might react to things, but actually the players are the ones that decide the story, and they're ultimately the the protagonists of the story because we follow them. We don't follow anyone else. So it very much is led by them, as we sort of alluded to before. And the other question that that she put was to me was, how do you remember all the NPCs' character traits and voices? Um, and I guess I would say partly that's because it's my superpower um, <laughs> and that sometimes I don't, right? that, that, or, or at least sometimes, you know, come to an SPC and I start to talk in their voice and some bit of my brain is saying this is not quite right. It can be difficult sometimes to work out exactly why it's not right. I, I do my best. Yeah, um, but sometimes you remember in advance because I remember there was a chord in which I think someone was talking to to Maurice or something like that, and then I I sort of mentioned that I wanted to talk to Enoff, and you was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna jump from a French accent to a German accent to a oh, yeah, Scots accent," <laughs> and it was like you you were already like figuring it out, but then I just chose to just do nothing. Troll. And that that was that was troll. <laughs> it was a little trolling. No, but I have to say, uh, Peter, like you and Mitch have done an amazing job at, at like yeah. like creating Absolutely. the atmosphere and the and the story itself. And what you were mentioning to the about the dice rolling in advance is something that I am definitely going to steal for yeah, yeah. Uh, for Blood on the Severn because I think I think it's very doable. As you said, global events are easy to determine, uh, and that allows for all the focus to go into the narrative. Which I think it was, for example, yeah. the, the 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 battle versus Amago, and the one with Wallace both used the one two three out. Three rounds, yeah. it's done. So much happens, but most of it is descriptive, and it has meaning. It has 
it feels better than oh uh, you hit him do you get this much damage now you hit him and he gets that much damage and now he uses this discipline and now you're hungry and and he dies yeah. like that's not very satisfactory especially because in real life even kindred don't go to combat every day so yeah. when you go and fight someone who is worthy of rolling dice for a fight because otherwise he's a mortal and and we have seen that mortals sadly are no match for kindred i think i probably have to still roll dice <laughs> yeah, yeah, <you're> probably... <laughs> yeah, but, 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 yeah, maybe for the first round, but then you can use any of your like yes, any and all of your presence and destroy them. That's the thing; they're no match. But if you're gonna do combat, make it meaningful. Because if you are gonna have actual interaction, physical interaction with another one violently, it has to be for a reason. Kindred are not stupid; they're not out looking for blood. Yeah, I think not murder hobos. That's what I'm trying to say. Where possible, I I like. It's not always possible, but I kind of like combats as well, where you you zero one in like the the key decisions a player has to make. Like maybe they're in a terrible situation, and where do they turn their attention? Which target do they take on, or which person do they rescue, or which of their kind of convictions do they choose to honor in that fight? And and those things I think make it kind of interesting. Um. So I'm aware that there are still a few more questions and if people have asked them, I feel a sort of moral duty to make sure that you hear them, unless we've already kind of covered them in other questions because there is some crossover. But there's, a, there's a question that I like because it's quite a wholesome question. Um, it's, it's similar, but it's, it's key different to, to an earlier question, which is from Len, uh, which NPC of the current season do you relate to the most on a personal level? <laughs> NPC NPC current season relate the most on a personal level. Which do you as people, which which NPCs of the current season do you relate to? I think that's a good fun question. You can say none because I'm not a monster. If you want, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I think I, I, I'm thinking of all the NPCs that are mortal. <laughs> because mortal, yeah, can be mortal. Because if uh, I, I I do not relate on a personal level on with any of the kindred on the current season with what's because this time of you know distress has has made a lot of things surface that no one had seen before. Yeah. If I had to say, was, like, uh, if I were in that situation, I would say Sergan Suk is like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> I get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know. I mean, I already did it in one country, so why not do it again whenever things get, you know, yeah. whenever the push comes to shove? It's like, I already immigrated once. This is nothing. So long. Just, yeah. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. But if it has to be a mortal. It doesn't have to be. On a, well, if it has to be relate to an SPC on a personal level, yeah. I will say Eugene. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. Eugene has to put up with Seth. And I should add. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. I'll jump in a minute. Sorry, I got excited. No, no, it's okay. Uh, and and then for those of you who who don't know, I am a project manager, and um, on a daily basis, I have to Eugene other people, wrangle them, herding cats in a manner that is. I mean, even Peter, he has his day sometimes. No, I'm joking. Of course, I'm not. Uh, but I do have my dates on time. They're normally on a Monday, actually. 
<laughs> no, but yeah. Well, I, need to I, I would I would say I would say poor Eugene because you're stuck in a situation in which you must deal with this. You cannot just you know let it out because I'm, I I enjoy getting paid for my job so I can eat and pay rent. So so yeah, I have to put up with it. So Eugene, poor old Eugene. Oh, and it, excited about was just to say if you want to know a bit more about eugene and his origins you should watch the memorial check the memoriams mm, very exciting um so yes over to the other two so i'm i'm gonna choose adam who's who's, 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 who's response whose response to everything that's happened in this has been the same what? of unbridled terror has been the same kind of response yeah. i would have had like, if what? i just placed myself into this like it's an entirely appropriate response and you should run for the hills yeah it's a, yeah. It's a person it's a permanent wtf coming yeah. from adam Poor <laughs> i thought about leaving? it why are we still here What's going on? That's kind of what I, that's what I feel. Yeah, that is very fair. What about you, Phil? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is hard, but I'm there going, um, well, I can relate, well, I've certainly relate, related to before, was was a certain messenger. Oh, with David? Oh, David. <laughs> like, I was just doing <laughs> my job. Fuck me over. Why? I'm doing the best I yeah. can. <laughs> don't the don't shoot the messenger. It's not memo that Oxford yeah, don't, don't, yeah, no, they did not get that memo. Or or don't shoot uh, don't shoot the guardian of the border in the head. Says yeah. he's not like he's supposed to be patrolling. He's like, uh, what what are you doing here? Yeah. Poor guy. Yes, yes, that's hard another. To, hard to understate my love for Seth. <laughs> 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 all right let's see now i do have some more questions from um selenen i think is how you pronounce it but i'm sure the ghostly voice of mitch might tell me if i'm wrong in the future um anyway some questions these questions are for bex specifically huh. pay yourself I'm so prepared. um Question one, what was Velvet's upbringing like? And what kind of relationship did he have with his parents? How many hours have we got? Um... I mean, I think it's probably <laughs> the Reader's Digest version the rather than digest. the epic. So, <laughs> so, um, so I should I should say, this, this is a, a character that I've played a number of times. Uh, so he has a very well-established backstory. But actually... Um, in the short summary of his story is that he gets on very well with his mother or got on very well with her obviously when he was alive um and he he's very close to her her, her name is martha his father's name is charles um and they have a very strange relationship so in in his backstory um charles riley doesn't call velvet velvet he calls him charles which is his second name uh velvet's a name his mother chose for him and uh and his father hates it so he just doesn't engage with that part of his life. So um, he is—he has this kind of this kind of link to his family via his mother that he wants to keep up, but he he hasn't really got the time of day for his father, um, which is obviously one of the drivers of his his relationship with his uh, with with Theo, or you know, or how he sees that relationship. Um, and of course, he's he's supposed to be the supposed to be the the kind of the inheritor of the family business supposed to be married and have a child and obviously we already know how that how well that's worked out for him 
So, uh, so yeah, that's is that short enough? Yeah, no, that's perfect. And it also leads on to the next question, which is, if Velvet hadn't become a vampire, yeah, he still have left Jessica. What, having met Adam? I assume so. Yeah. So mm. I, I, I think. Um, I think if 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 where we found him in the prelude, um, I think he uh, he might not have done because I just mm. I think he lacks that kind of courage, right? Or he mm -hmm. does at that point in his timeline. Also, he doesn't know doesn't know that Adam's a vampire at that point in time. Yeah, um, I would like to think that that if if kind of time had moved on, he would have made a better decision than that. But actually, he's not a character that makes good decisions. I don't think, mm. or at least not at that, that point in his life. They're usually uh, impassionate decisions. Like well, he also, he, he, he's he got a, I mean, this is, this is, I think one of the things that might come in more if, if there's a conversation with Theodore in the future is that is that he is not, so ultimately he likes the money that his family have. If he leaves his wife and he goes off with Adam, that's disappearing from him. So he has a, he has a, he's a, a kind of a, a lack of self self-efficacy i guess at that point about about not taking that decision that actually he's he's maybe more realizing now than he had before that um actually a lot of things in his life would have been better if he had just been honest with himself about this from the outset of his life and just said mm -hmm. i don't care about this money i'm going to go and be who i want to be um so that yeah hope like hopefully that answers your question yeah, I, I think so. I think so. So we're 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 moving towards the end. There is um, a question that I would like to ask you. There is another question from our wonderful ghouls that I'll come to at the at the very end and kind of sandwiched between that. And this is me just giving Carlos a heads up. I am gonna. I might give you a quick slot if you want to talk about the future at all. <laughs> the um, future. Future. But the question that I wanted to ask you was um, to do with story votes that we have. So we do um, a, a thing for our supporters where they can can vote on things that will influence the impact of the story. And sometimes those are specifically around one player. Sometimes they are around an SPC. Sometimes they're around a major event. They vary from time to time. My question to you, players, is: Is there a story vote you would like to see? Yes. The tell return, me, me. the the return of Meliore triumphantly making all the Sombra accepted. Well, the thing is, it's uh, a With, without Theo doing nothing. So that is an option in a vote. All right. So if we had the, if the vote is, what is the fate? Of Meliore and the La Sombra, no, then one of the options is everything's great and, and Theodore doesn't have to lift a finger, but then there will also be two to three or four other options. Okay, okay. I'll give you I'll practical. give you a vote. I'll give you a vote. Which of these triumphant returns would you rather have? Chester as representative of all Toreador? Motherfucker. Thank you. Uh Meliore bringing glory to the La Sombra? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not gonna put Hugh because Hugh was gonna win. And Bam <laughs> for Prince is it's, it's so so common that it's gonna be a meme. Um, <laughs> Wallace and his evil twin part two. 
the return of the of the Benoit. No, because that involves Seth. Um, yes, yeah, just Wallace. Which always involves Seth. No, okay, no, just okay. just Wallace. Wallace, so triumphant, triumphant return. return. Wallace as Prince. Wallace as Prince. Chester as uh, as Knight of, of Oxfordshire, or Meliore just uh, making the La Sombra accepted. Mm. Okay. So they're they're going to vote for Wallace, I know that. Outcry of, yes, we absolutely want this vote. Mitch and I will take it under consideration. We might add a fourth option and we'll put it up for the future. Now, I don't know, though, it might be a, an even more exciting vote suggested by Bex or Phil. Who knows? So let's. Are there any three votes you would like to see? I only have things that are like two choice items. Fine. So we really got extra choices. Don't you worry about that. You just tell us the vote. And, and... So my my vote is: Should Velvet uh, break his bloodborne with Adam? Should Velvet? So the options yes. could be yes, but only a little. Yes, yes. or what? No, or you should drink yeah. much more than you've drunk. Exactly. The bloodborne should be reduced. The bloodborne should yeah. be raised. Yeah. The bloodborne yeah. should be cut off entirely. The bloodborne should be one way. Yes. Lots okay, of yeah, interesting okay. options there. So good. So again, if you're if you're going along and you'd like this to be a vote, let us know. Um, Mitch and I are always persuadable, especially for bits or chocolate. Um, and what about you, Phil? Any thoughts of a vote you would like to see? I'm uh, different. This is just fascinating. Like, uh, 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 let's try and narrow down. Um, well, thinking yeah. if. Uh, if Lane, you're we're watching along with this at any point, and you're like, "But I wanted to suggest a story vote." It's never too late. Um, we can always throw it into the Discord and see what people make of it. So yeah, anyway, um, uh, for... I, I, I'm I'm thinking it's a um, it's a for for a friend of it, and what um, um uh, well, that's been related to previous. Uh, Ah! Um, say no. I don't want a story vote. It's fine. I mean, but you can say I want the ghouls to decide the next story vote. Don't do that. Anyway, Phil, Phil, let like me tell it. you something. I know Nine. full well. That's is, what it, is it should should Phil be killed by Jim Roy Woods or should Silas? I think that. Um, Silas is going to win in a fight with Jim Roy Woods. Well, there we go. We need to see the fight, right? I mean, um, we could play that out. I would it. say as well, if you leave it entirely up to chat to suggest a vote, the odds of flying dolphins and sentient soap <laughs> and like walking cheese get yep. very high. So, you know, I mean, uh, be, what I, what be careful I, what you wish for. What I would like to see with that is um, what soap's fate is. Is it, is Ooh, it she is? Yeah. Is it she is? Chad. What a face no. used to be before I took her to Serenal. Too late. <laughs> Too late. Is it she is killed by herself or is it her elf forced her to, forced her to kill uh, forced her, her, her to kill her side? Does uh, Serenal force her side to kill her? Uh, does, does so, there, there are many, many kill options. options. There, there are many horrible options, options there. Does Serenal just let her go? Does Sir Enolf just adopt her? Does he let her go? Or, does, he, or, or does he, you know, psychologically break her into his... his yeah, exactly. Does he do horrible things? Yeah, I, I mean, mean the, the options are limitless. So, yeah, we could do a... Yeah, the problem is... Into soap, right? we could Chad, is infamous, Chad is infamous for nine out of ten times coming up with a solution for a board and going like, yes, yes, it's going to show up. Oh, God, what? 
And that's that's their reaction. They are masochistic that way. Don't I do like that. Well, that was brilliant. And with, with that, I know full well what chat does because chat me and water. You yeah, know what you did. Yes. Not, yeah, not you know what you did. They all know what they did, and I think they have no regret. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. That was fucking hilarious. All right, so um, we've mentioned that this is obviously the last season of, of Tamases, but of course, of course, it's not the end of vampire storytelling from us because that would just be too much. Even I might cry at that. So um, there is going to be a future. And to talk about that, possibly, if he wants to say anything, I'm just going to briefly open the door to Carlos. Yeah, well, the plans for the future after uh, Blood on the Tamases, as you most of you should know by now, is uh, Blood on the Severn. So we are trying to to do some things differently, but it's still going to be a vampire, you know, B5 game. And when I say we're trying to do things differently is as a group and as as content creators. And uh, and of course, we're we're changing and putting me at the at the storyteller's uh, chair um and i i will i i i don't have the range of accents and voices that peter does unless you are willing to listen to at least 10 different accents of spanish when i speak spanish which i, I mean, mean i am i'm definitely am yeah I'm yeah but <laughs> i'm not i think i, I would vote yeah. yeah but then it, it would not it wouldn't be like blood on the severn it would be like blood in the Iguazu Falls or something like that, you know, the border with <laughs> Paraguay and Argentina, so I can do both accents and tell you how, how different they are, even though you cannot hear the difference. Or Uruguayan or Argentina, which are a lot closer. But that, that's beyond the, the point. I, I think I will I'll just, I'll just, you know, hold on to my own strengths. Strength, I, I think I used the plural there, but that doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, I, I am really excited. Uh, Dylan and I have been working on, on new ideas productions wise. I've been working very hard with Sam Canto. Uh, he's he's been helping me uh, flesh out uh, Blood on the like Bristol even more ever since the the first one shot. I think it's going to be very very interesting. It's going to bring very very well known characters from the memorials as well from well from the historical one shots. And, uh, and, and this is going to be um, a chronicle in which the story of the city has been written by, in a good part, by the ghouls. So uh, that, that I want that feeling. Like, I want people to feel that, that the vampiric version of Bristol that we've come up with is also yours. Uh, so we're going to be engaging with you as usual. Also reminds me, actually, of... Um, I think, you know, we, right at the beginning, we were talking about the difference between kind of w role playing just, you know, at home and role playing on the street. Mm -hmm. And for Tamases, and, and obviously the same is true for Seven, um, the storytellers, we've had the benefit of a second storyteller, kind of background <laughs> storyteller, who Very is important. negotiating and talking with us around the stories, the plots, the, the things like that. Um, I know that. Uh, Mitch and I will probably do something when Tamasis is done, where we talk a bit more about that process and what it was like. While we're here in this moment, you know, I often mention that Mitch has been involved in things, but he he does a lot of work behind the scenes on the story 
uh, and I know that sort of Sam does a similar role for you, Carlos, where yeah. both in the kind yeah. of the construction of everything, but also in the kind of the week to week storytelling and decisions. And, and that is a luxury I've never had as a storyteller before. That now I don't want to stop it anymore. Like, right. I mean, bouncing ideas off of Sam and or him coming back and say, hey, look at this. How does it look like? Wow. Okay, let's talk about this and 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 have that that chat, that interaction. That is, it amazing. is so good. It is so great. I'm really um, thankful for so to great. have them. Yeah. And and so as I often do, but I repeat now, I am very grateful to everything which has done, um, and and will continue to do because he's not off the hook yet. No. Um, but yeah, it's a big difference though, and it's one that I love. I think it's great. Um, so if and something I would say to you is if you're in a situation where because of lockdown or because of other things, you can't get to a gaming group, you have a good friend who's running the game, you could potentially step in as that role, um, as I think do, because it's a lot of fun. I, I, I hope. Mitch may actually be in chat now being like, never do it. It's the worst. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to ask him, Sam, but he seems to be enjoying it. And he, he's really involved in it because he's also creating the, 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 the stories and the city. So it's really cool. So yes, there are fun things going on in the future, and we're always you know, there are there are things that change because the storytellers change, and different storytellers are good at different things. You know, whether that is kind of intense scenes or horrific descriptions, or whether it's in you know different voices or pacing or things like that. You know, we'll do that, but at the same time, we're also trying to take as many of the good bits from what we've done before and the lessons that we've learned and trying to evolve. That's certainly something that Carlos and I talk a lot about, about things that we're learning and things that we might do differently in the future, <clears throat> um, which again may form it, it, you know, uh, one of these chats at some point. So as we come to an end, I do have a last question I would like to put to you. This is a nice question. Let's finish on nice questions. Yes. Um, this question is from Izzy, who, as I'm sure you all know, played in one of the memoriams and... Um, apparently has a fondness for certain bearded bakers, I'm given to understand. Um, and what she would like to know is what for you has been either the funniest or your favorite moment of the series so far? Ooh, fun oh, funniest. There have been several funny ones. Funniest or favorite, your choice. Or both. My yeah. Funniest or favorite. Ooh. Of the season or of the series completely, like the whole. Oh, hang on, let me double check the small print. Yeah, please. Oh, easy. You're... Cool, but I think if you want to jump to season three, as we've been very season three focused, you're more than welcome to do that. So there are, yeah. So but if you, I, any any moment, really. So I can I can go if people want. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. Time you, go. you go, Peg. So so actually, my my favorite moment was the the last part of the last episode. In series in mm -hmm. series three, where I I played a scene with with Carlos, which was um, it which was f for me kind of defined everything that I enjoy about role playing, and why I mention it is it partly because it answers the question, but also because in in my experience you can't have that kind of a scene with with that sort of emotion if you don't have a really good quality player on the other side of it to throw things off of. And Carlos is that, he's brilliant. And so I know when I'm sitting here that whatever I, I give to him in the scene, he is going to give me something interesting back. And it makes that experience unbelievably rewarding. So, so that, that's my favorite moment and thank you. 
Now I'm blushing and I'm going to feel like a dick when I say the funniest moment is Velvet when died. Gansuk's <laughs> horse. No, when Gansuk's horse took silence to the edge of town and he almost fried under the sun. That, that horse was epic. I any feel like any a moment with a and an animal. Any moment. No, no. <clears throat> Thank you, Bex. I think, I think, those, uh, I think the interaction <laughs> between uh, like the, the player characters have been like really really nice like conversations like the little heart to hearts uh with silas with yeah. joanne velvet and theodore uh, some some have been more emotionally charged than others but there's always uh something there and i'm, I'm really glad to have you as uh, my ventral brother, brother slash you know am i ever gonna brother. find out that we're not brothers i'm gonna be well, devastated no, we're gonna be better than brothers we're gonna be like like a, a, a Theodore will spin some bullshit around it. Don't worry about oh, it. Well, oh, one worry. There's no way yes. you'll beat me in a bullshit contest, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's my only skill. He'll <laughs> <laughs> try. He'll try. Yeah. No, but, so what, but about, yes. what about you, Phil? What is your funniest or favorite moment? Honestly, um, fun, I, 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 got, I got one for each to us. Uh, funniest has to be. Seth, yeah, not W, yeah, motherfucker. That yeah. was oh, oh, pretty God. much any Seth scene. Yeah, I think uh, Gansuk, Seth, uh, they, Gansuk and Seth have been, yeah, um, endless. But I think, fun. I think one of my favorite scenes really was a scene between Theodore and Velvet, where uh, shortly after Velvet had discovered that someone was looking at tattoos. I've gone to speak to Theodore. That very dare you get a tattoo. That 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 that, enti that entire thing. Um, again, it, it, I think I think it's a bit, a bit very much a you know, overbearing overbearing parent. You will not do you will not do this because, uh, because I do not think it's right. But then Theodore responding with the um, with with the you know don't watch over protect him from. Distance, but let him make those mistakes because then he no, learns. You're supposed to agree he, with me. And, and, and then he, then he, then he learn, learn, learn and grow. Um, uh, uh, and just, just the whole, the whole development there is they going that, 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 that can hit the feels just knowing that some, some, some people can just be that overbearing and joining where they just need to let go and just let, let, let the, the what they created flourish. And, and go, you know, even when some things are going to catch it, man, there you go. Yeah, I think, I think that there's an also uh, an amazing element of that conversation in which Velvet was stupidly uncomfortable at a uh, shirtless Theo <laughs> yes. and yeah. Miyuki, Miyuki, like Miyuki shirtless, <laughs> given like, like showing her back oh, while in front of Theo. Also, gonna show like, me. This is is this like a weird Asian thing <laughs> I have not heard of yet? That like was, that was super fun yeah. in, in the middle of a very serious conversation, and for Theodore it was serious, but for Velvet it was so uncomfortable. I think it was. And, and again, uh, for, for, for me again, as as well, I'm again compared to all these guys, I'm still the baby at the, all this. I am still trying to learn and absorb as much as I can. Uh, and again, I'm around so many incredible people. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning a lot, and I'm trying to get lawyer. Um, <laughs> Again, but again, they, these they're just they, these are all incredible people and i'm so grateful to be a, to be a part of this is this is incredible oh 
Don't worry, Phil. Thank you. Thank you very much. Also, you're 11 in love. You're getting there. Yeah, you're, yeah well, absolutely. So, so yeah. The, yeah. Just a couple of things I wanted to say kind of on that front, because I've also got, you know, as a storyteller, maybe there are different things that are my favorite things, perhaps to, to, from a player experience. And so there are often things where the players rise to challenges that are put before them. So I really enjoy any scenes where the players are interacting with each other. And I think there have been a number of really standout kind of Velvet and Theodore scenes. And you've kind of given good examples of those. Um, there's also one of the more recent scenes that I liked a lot was the Silas incites the Bruyere scene. Because oh, yeah, the speech. That was a yeah. good one. Yeah, because for me, it was a double whammy of Silas as a character has not been a leader. He is, a, he is an actor who has been kind of fumbling his way through. And this was a time in season three where he suddenly decided, actually, I want this. Yeah. I've been pushed into this. I want it. And I'm going to make it happen, which is a very brilliant thing. Mm. And that also that he made it happen. And that was a cool moment. But the also, I know. Was... But yeah, and it was yeah. a good scene. It was well played. And I know that, obviously, as Phil says, he's new to this. And sometimes, oh, he's not new anymore, mate. You're obviously a <laughs> You're fine, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know. That, that it is something that maybe is not always natural for you that you're working on. And so seeing that work pay off in a scene is also, from a, for me, just watching you as a player change is a really gratifying thing to watch. So yeah. that's definitely there. And my kind of global feel on this, because uh, I mentioned, you know, with the ghouls in the, in the memoriams that their commitment and the way they just really leaned in and punched in was very impressive to me. There was a point between season uh, one and two where we had like a 10-year time jump. And I was saying to the players that I wanted, I wanted the characters to feel like they changed over that time, but also that they had established relationships in that time that were not there in season one. Everybody did that. Every player, a cross player, did that. And that was like, I felt that was like a real triumph. So in terms of my favorite moments, they're often where I feel like people have kind of rose to the challenge and then told a better story as a result of it. So I would, I would, that's where I would come from. So on that somewhat holds disgustingly wholesome note, I apologize to you all. Um, we're going to kind of start wrapping this up. Um, so thank you, everybody, for putting forward your questions. Um, it's been really nice to hear them. If I missed any for whatever reason, or if you just didn't get a chance to say, do let us know because we may do something like this in the future or we'll, we'll find a way to address them or, uh, or to answer them. And, of course, we will be back next week with uh, Season 3, Episode 6 of Blood on the Tamases, where things will get fun. And for those of you who are supported <laughs> by Story Votes, keep your eyes open before next week because something will be coming soon. Um, and otherwise, thank you very much. Save me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks for watching this episode of Blood on the Tamases. If you'd like to keep up with all the latest news, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And remember, if you want to join us live, be sure to tune in every Monday at 7pm UK time on Twitch. Or you can catch up on YouTube and our podcast. And a big thanks to our supporters on Patreon and all of you beautiful disaster ghouls. We'll see you next time.